welcome to the Extraordinary Moms podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way. We should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hello, everyone. If I sound winded, it's because I just had to pick up something off the floor. (laughs) I'm 37 weeks pregnant and baby boy is out of room and everything feels exhausting. That is why this conversation with Dr. Money J. Kamyar is so appropriate. She is a board certified OBGYN. And today we're talking all about the new book that she helped contribute to your pregnancy and childbirth. It's the seventh edition, and there's been some modifications made over the last several decades in childbirth as medical changes happen, as awareness happens, as more data comes in. And I'm asking her all of my burning personal pregnancy and childbirth questions, including when is my baby too big to push out? (laughs) How to advocate for yourself as a pregnant woman, when to trust your doctor. And I even ask her what is the largest and smallest babies that she's ever delivered. And you will not believe her answers. You just won't believe it. So I'm so excited for you to meet Dr. Kamyar today. So whether you're pregnant or whether pregnancy and childbirth just fascinates you, this is a conversation for you. So let's get to it with Dr. Money J. Kamyar. All right. I'd like to welcome to the show, Dr. Kamyar. Good morning. She is a doctor that is going to help me through my last four weeks of pregnancy today. Hello, Dr. Kamyar. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm so good. How are you? Well, I'm 36 weeks pregnant, so I'm good is relative. Yes. (laughs) How long has it been since you have been in this state, Dr. Kamyar? It's been five years. So my youngest is five. Mm -hmm. um, And you just kind of forget it, I think, after a little while. Yes, my youngest is also five. And so I have three boys, 11, nine, and five. Okay. And I have totally forgotten how hard it is to be pregnant and just to be older in general. And I think having a fourth baby, it's it's different, isn't it? So many changes. Yes. So many changes. I think that I I had a 10-year-old and a five-year-old. So I had a five-year-old too between my my two boys. And uh, the first one... I, it was like a spring chicken, you know, yes. <laughs> it was so easy. And, uh, you have all those muscles that are like all intact still and you don't have any back pain, you know, and all this good stuff. And you don't have any other people to look after. It's just like you and your partner potentially. Yes. And, and then the second one comes along and you're like, Oh, I'm five years older. And my body is all stretched out from the first one. And then you have another one to take care of. And so there's no downtime. You know, right. just, it's different. Yeah. It is. It is. And I had forgotten. <laughs> and it is, and it is had, different too. Another baby? No, just yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I had, this is my fourth boy. And I have to tell you as, as a doctor, my kids blame the doctor that this is a fourth boy. They all really wanted a sister. And I'm like, well, I'm really, I'm really sorry. It's, it's yeah. a boy and this is how it's supposed to be. And, yeah. and my youngest Jackson was like, well, why are you apologizing? It's the doctor's fault. <laughs> And I'm like, yep, blame the doctor. It's all the doctor's oh, fault. I always like to remind him that it's the dad's fault. Actually. Yeah. 
<laughs> we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. Oh, man. Well, I am just so excited to be chatting with you today because you have become a contributor or our contributor of a mm-hmm. new book that's come out for <clears throat> parents and um, mothers specifically who are going through one of the biggest changes and one of the most traumatic events of a woman's life in getting pregnant, recovering, all of that. And is this your mm-hmm. first time being involved in, in this book? So tell me about your pregnancy and childbirth. Yeah, so the book, um, Your Pregnancy and Childbirth, I became an, um, a contributing editor for it and for this most recent edition. So I wasn't involved in it before, but I am involved in this the most recent one that's being published now, um, which has a lot of updates, I think. And, you know, medicine changes all the time. So it's reasonable to think that these books do need to be updated. And first of all, being part of it was just great, right? Because you get to be involved in making something that you're really proud of. And also you get to work with people that you you know are really experts in the field. You know, I get to work with these people like, oh, I, I've heard that guy's name yeah. before, you know, and it's really fun to be um, kind of collaborating with them. Uh, and then to have a product that I just think is so amazing and I recommend to all of my patients and I recommend to my family members and I buy it as gifts for for friends and and family that are pregnant or even that are thinking about being pregnant. You know, you obviously mentioned mothers and people who are going to be mothers, but also people who are even just considering, hey, I, I, like, this might be something I I do during my life. And so having, you know, some of the chapters in the book are definitely about um, pre-pregnancy things you can do. And then there's a lot of information in there. I think just about how to be healthy in general, and it doesn't only just apply to pregnancy, which is great. I totally agree. And and being pregnant and being mindful of your food intake and your health in general and your fitness routines and just your habits. I mean, it really does get you to realize, you know, what's a part of your life that maybe you've kind of mm-hmm. just been operating on autopilot. And yeah. you would like to think that this is, if ever there's a time to kind of clean things up and be mindful, this is it. And hopefully, I'm hoping too that these habits that I've developed over, you know, these past nine months will continue on post-pregnancy as well. I wanted to jump in real quick and thank a show sponsor, and that is Bulldog Yoga. So I talked about Bulldog Yoga last week because it's no secret that we're all juggling a lot these days, jobs, families, budgets, and not to mention the emotional baggage of the last year. And for me, being physical really helps to release a lot of that. So whether it's going on a walk or taking advantage of the amazing benefits of yoga for increased strength, better flexibility, improved mental focus. That has worked wonders for me. So enter Bulldog Yoga because it's online and it's about taking out the intimidation from yoga and replacing it with music, smiles, and no judgment. Bulldog Online is all about making yoga fun. Yeah, yoga can be really fun. And Bulldog streaming online classes are available on demand anytime, any place on your schedule. And what I love is there's even classes for kids and teens, so your whole family can be involved. Isn't that awesome? I love Bulldog Yoga so much because their classes range from 12 to 60 minutes, depending upon your availability, and it just helps me decompress at the end of the day whenever I get to do it. And Bulldog Yoga is so amazing. You can try your first 30 days for free at Bulldog Online. That's bulldogonline.com and use the code EEP for an additional 50% off your first paid month. Again, that's bulldogonline.com, coupon code EEP. Yeah, you're doing something for 
nine months or six months or even four months of your pregnancy. And then hopefully you continue that because once you have the baby, it's not going to get any easier, right? To do, to do these things that are healthy for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The bean burrito habit though may need to, to be curtailed <laughs> a little bit. I will say that because obviously there's those habits too that, that creep up during yeah. pregnancy and that's fine. It's all moderation. It's all of just course. like, what do you think you need? A baby needs a burrito. Like that's just the way it goes. <laughs> mine, mine was a breakfast burrito. Okay. Mine was a breakfast burrito. Delicious. Yeah. <laughs> where do you, where do you live? I currently live in Las Vegas, Nevada. Okay. Are there good breakfast burritos there, or were you somewhere oh, no. else? So actually, this was when I was pregnant with my first, okay. and I was in Los Angeles, and I was in I was a resident at the time, so I was in my um, OBGYN training, uh-huh. and the cafeteria was amazing and made. I mean, the tortilla was, I, don't, I can't even explain to you how big that tortilla was. And they would put tater tots in the breakfast burrito. Oh, Have you God. ever even had? So California is a good place to get breakfast burritos. I'm in California. I know. I know. And when you said Las Vegas, I'm just like, oh, oh, well, I'm not really sure that's like the authentic burrito. But uh, there we go. It's but not. It's not. It's not. But, you know, I was in California during the time I had my first. Oh, so I got, I got my share of breakfast burritos. For sure. I can't even fathom going through the medical program while pregnant and, and everything like that. But it had to be really fascinating too, kind of doing those two things in parallel and, and doing, you know, having firsthand knowledge of seeing other people experiencing the same things and and things like that. How has being a mother, you're a mother of two, mm-hmm. how has that shifted the way that you are in practice with your patients and and everything? And, and do you view yeah. things differently maybe than your counterparts that either don't have children or you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to answer that question because most of my training and then all of my time in my working kind of career, I've been a mom <laughs> and I've had the experiences I've had. So it's really hard for me to know what it would have been like you know, if I didn't have kids or didn't go through my specific experiences, you know, mm-hmm. the way my um, delivery, um, labor, all of that went really it helps me, I think, connect with my patients in a way uh, that I might not have been able to. But at the same time, I know that my patients have gone through experiences that I haven't gone through. And so I can't relate to them because I've been through it, but I can relate to them because I've seen it so much. And I've seen the aftermath and I've seen all the, you know, I see such a variety of people. And so I think that, yes, being a mother makes certain things um, more relatable for my patients, but also I think just being a, a physician doing this every day mm-hmm. is what really kind of seals the deal, you know, in my ability to, to talk to patients and, and counsel them and tell them what I think they should expect or could expect or, you know, all of that stuff. But yeah. Yeah. it's nice to be able to bring that personal touch into things. You know, I had, I ended up having two C-sections um, and I tried to have a vaginal delivery after the first one with my second and, and then that didn't work out. And so, you know, I can relate to my patients for that because so many people have that same experience and I know how that feels. And so specifically in those, you know, areas, I can really relate to them and have yeah. a conversation with them about it. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about C-sections for a sec? Cause I do still mm-hmm. think there's a crazy stigma or like a less than version of right. delivery and I don't know if you felt that way or how you help your patients to process that, but can you just talk, talk to that, talk to that mother listening that feels like they, they strove for a vaginal delivery and they were hope that was their birth plan. And then suddenly it goes differently or just, you know, things going differently in general. Yeah. I really try to, 
I want to respect, obviously, I think we all want to respect everyone's wishes for how they, they hope a pregnancy will go and how they hope a delivery will go. But what I also like to think about and tell my patients and even tell myself, right, when I was going through my um, delivery is that at the end of the day, our goal is for a healthy mom and a healthy baby, no matter how that happens. There is no way that's more natural or better than another way. The best way is the safest way. Mm. And that's different for everyone. Some people can safely have, you know, 10 full-term vaginal deliveries, no problem. And others have one C-section and end up with, for example, a hysterectomy because of a complication. Well, I don't mean it's okay in the sense that you should just accept it, but it's okay in the sense that if that's what kept you and your baby the healthiest and the safest, I think that's it. So I think just sort of honoring just your body, even carrying this baby for however long you were able to carry it for and trying to get it to the healthiest place possible. That's it. That's our goal. That's everyone's goal. That's your OB's goal. That should be your goal. And then how the delivery goes is okay. And I think a lot of the trauma sometimes can come from having an expectation and then having it go completely against that expectation, Mm -hmm. right? That's what leads a lot of the time to this traumatic experience versus accepting that it might be a whole variety of outcomes Mm. and a whole variety of delivery methods and a whole variety of postpartum methods. Like it could be so many different things and just being open to all of that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the, the thing we do when we become pregnant, right? And we right. are becoming moms. It's like the minute you're pregnant, it's kind of like you're sort of a mom right then. I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. And obviously you just seem so wonderful and like somebody I would want to have on my team. Right. But then there's other situations where there's lots of people involved in your delivery experience specifically. So different nurses and maybe it's not your regular doctor that's on call. It's a different one and things like that. So how do you in this vulnerable situation know when to advocate for yourself? Because you really do know yourself and your body Mm -hmm. and listen to professional medical advice. And that can apply really anytime during the pregnancy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, I think what's really important is to set up your team from the beginning and trying to even do that before you get pregnant, if you have the ability to, like if you're planning, because what you really have to have is trust in the people who are providing your care. And that includes, yes, you're right. You know, your your doctor, but your doctor probably works in a call group. So like the people in the call group and to know that that all of them are going to be providing you with the best care because in the moment when you're on labor and delivery, um, whether it's a full-term vaginal delivery that's happening or a preterm C-section or whatever in between, um, it's really difficult for the physician in the moment to impart all of their knowledge on you, the patient, to try to make you understand why they feel they need to go down a certain route. And you have to have some degree of trust with that provider and so setting making sure you're with a provider that provides you with that trust from the beginning then in the moment you don't won't have to feel like you're questioning what they're doing Mm. or their intentions or their knowledge right and then of course of course educating yourself throughout the process right like you've read the your pregnancy and childbirth book for example so you kind of know at least some of this information that we know um listening to podcasts like this, right? So you have some, just some background knowledge and that 
empowers you to have the appropriate conversations with your obstetrician and asking the questions you want to ask. Different things are important for different people. Mm. Some people really want to know, hey, what's your C-section rate? Other people really want to know, you know, how many C-sections have you done? Um, other people want to know uh, just how, how many deliveries have you done? Do you uh, regularly use forceps? Can you use a vacuum? Do you let your patients deliver, do a water birth in the hospital? Do you let your patients ambulate during labor? Do you let them eat during labor? You know, you can ask mm-hmm. all these questions, right, and find out what's important to you. Um, and then whether that physician matches with what you're looking for, Yeah, I think. I yeah. love I love that. It's like the visual of the iceberg, right? So like they're only able to communicate a small portion of what they think the action plan should be. But really, there's mm-hmm. so many layers and so much experience and so much history yes. underneath that. So I love I love that aspect of trust. I think that's fantastic. So this is the seventh edition of your pregnancy and your childbirth. And like you said, like things change over time and things get updated. And I'm curious to hear, like, what are some of the most recent updates? Because, I mean, we've been we've been birthing children for thousands of years. And, uh, yes, medical, you know, facilities change and techniques and things like that. But is there anything mm-hmm. significant that really stands out to you in the last, you know, decade or so? Oh, gosh, I'm trying to think, right? <laughs> so decades about how long I've been doing this. Things have changed in the sense that, for example... We have more data on certain things. So we have more data on specific medications that could be used in pregnancy. Um, We have different types of genetic testing that we are able to offer. We have different information about vaccines that could be offered or should be offered in pregnancy. So it's updates like that. You know, the actual vaginal delivery of a baby really hasn't changed very much, right? Unfortunately. Um, Right, Right. so that hasn't changed very much. We also have, for example, you know, there's more data on like um, vitamin use in pregnancy and what's safe and what's not or Mm -hmm. what we should recommend or what we shouldn't. Um, So it's a lot of that, I think, that has that has sort of changed or been updated. Mm -hmm. Um, We have more information on how to help women who've previously had a preterm delivery and what we should do. Mm -hmm. So because we gather more data, more studies come out. So all of that stuff is kind of what I think has changed. And then changing our recommendations for, for example, like activity levels in pregnancy, you know, I feel like we go through waves in that where it's like, oh yeah, you're supposed to be as much active as you can. And then, and then there was a big wave of like, oh no, people need to really like rest and relax their whole pregnancy. And then it's like, actually like you're exercising during pregnancy is fantastic. Right. And that's actually now like proven with data and we have evidence on that. And so so I think it's so many different things that have changed, um, but some of them maybe aren't big, huge things, you know, like big, huge scale, um, but smaller things that affect your day-to-day sort of life yeah. as well as the way that we, um, the things we offer and the things we recommend for our patients. Yeah. Have you evolved in the way that you approach mental health and screening for those types of things? Yes. So that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um so I'm lucky. My husband is a psychiatrist. So I yeah. have had, well, lucky, right? I don't know if it's, lucky. <laughs> um, but it's all relative. I, yeah. yeah. Right. But what I mean by that is I have this person that I can go to very, I, like I said, I think it's very lucky that I can run, you know, just bounce ideas off of and, and run things um, through with. And we're able to have these types of conversations and I'm able to see from his standpoint, right? Cause he'll see postpartum patients, for example, who have postpartum depression um, or he'll see patients before they're getting pregnant and the medications that they're adjusting and all of this stuff. And I think that what the trend 
is, and rightfully so, is that we're actually paying attention to your mental well-being during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I think we should have been paying attention to it from the beginning of time, of course, right? And we need to pay attention to our mental well-being before we get pregnant and during our pregnancy and after our pregnancy, I mean, across the board. And yes, there are a lot of um, recommendations on when we should be uh, counseling patients, when we should be performing certain a questionnaire-based, you know, evaluations for our patients who have risks for um, having any sort of mental health issues, as well as patients who just are postpartum. You know, it's recommended that we do <clears throat> evaluation for their postpartum kind of mental well-being. Yeah, so I think that this is becoming much more standard, mm-hmm. um, much more uh, mainstream. And I think also I have been having patients bring it up themselves much more frequently uh, and having less concern about bringing that up, feeling more comfortable bringing it up, probably because the way we're talking about it as well, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and so I'm really happy to see that because if we don't know if someone's struggling, we can't really help them. Hey everyone, I wanted to jump in real quick and thank a show sponsor, and that is Pipette. Pipette is a clean mom and baby brand with a mission to give every family the best start. And obviously, as extraordinary moms, we're always looking to do what's best for our kids. And the toxicity in some of the products that we're inadvertently putting on our babies, that they're ingesting, and we're not knowledgeable enough and we're hoping that we can trust these companies and while the fda bans 12 potentially harmful ingredients pipette bans more than 2,000, ensuring its products are safe effective and use only non-toxic ingredients so pipette is a brand you can trust they're vegan hypoallergenic sustainable and pediatrician and dermatologist approved they have lots of different types of products that i'm so excited to use on my new baby in a few weeks and i know that not only are they effective but they are also safe for him so visit pipettebaby.com and get 30 percent off with the code emp that's p-i-p-e-t-t-e baby.com and get 30 percent off with code eep Yeah. And I mean, just in the same way that you plan for a six week postpartum visit with your OB to, to check you physically out and everything like that. I'm a big advocate for also setting up ahead of time, a six week mental health visit with a psychiatrist or psychologist or counselor or whatever to, to have that check in already on the calendar. Um, because in the throes of it, that is an easy thing to neglect or to not even realize because there's so many other factors contributing to fog and fatigue and exhaustion and quite frankly, feelings of depression, you know, and it's hard to, it's hard to navigate. Right. And then, and some women have a really good social support. And so those people that are around them point out things like, Hey, you seem to be operating a little bit differently Mm -hmm. recently. Mm -hmm. Um, but other people, they don't, and they're doing the mothering of their child alone, for Mm -hmm. example. And that can be really hard to navigate. And then it can be really hard to understand how you're feeling. And so you said six weeks and absolutely, but really it it should even be sooner than that, you know, Mm. like, Hey, that check-in and, and I want, I want patients to know and and just people to know anyone to know that you can bring it up with any provider. Mm. You can talk to your pediatrician, your child's pediatrician about it. Oftentimes that's Mm -hmm. who you see first, right? right? Is that pediatrician. And so bringing it up with them because they will know how to guide you. They'll know how to direct you to the right resources. And they, sh- they should at least. Right. Um, and then your your OB really as part of their routine postpartum care uh, should be asking you questions about how you're feeling. 
Um, and then if your answers are ones that be a little bit concerning or worrisome um, in the sense that like we think we could help you, mm-hmm. they should bring that up and mm-hmm. they should lead you toward, towards the right resources. And people are always worried, oh my gosh, is it going to be medication or is it going to be this or that? And like, there's a whole list of things that we can do to help someone who's got any sort of postpartum mental illness whether it's depression, whether it's, um, you know, anything. We have a whole toolbox that we can use, and it may be medications part of it, but it's not the only part of it. And so I, I never want people to shy away because they think we're going to just recommend a medication and be done with it. I love hearing you say that so much, and it gives me so much hope. And I think that what you're saying has evolved even since five years ago when I did this the last time, um, mm-hmm. or at least the impression that my provider gave me. And one of my friends was just on the podcast a few weeks ago, and she suffered very severely with um, postpartum mental health issues um, with each of her pregnancies. And her husband's a pediatrician. And she said, it's been such a valuable experience, though, because then it's educated him so much on what to look for and things like that. And it's exactly mm-hmm. what you just said. Like, you can bring it up to your the, your child's pediatrician because you're there a few days postpartum, a few weeks yeah. postpartum, a month postpartum. And that's before anybody's asking you how you're doing. <laughs> you know, So you can do that. And I love that you you concur. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. can reach out and you can reach out, you know, I think people always feel like, oh, I have an appointment in six weeks. Yeah. And like, I'll talk to them about it then. But you can always reach out to your obstetrician. You can reach out yeah. to their office. Someone will call you back. Yeah. You know, someone will call you back. Six yeah. weeks is a long, it seems like a short time, but it's an eternity when you're up in the middle of the night thinking <laughs> yeah. the morning's never going to come, right? Those nights are right. the worst. Yeah. And that's yeah. when I, I went, I mean, you know, my experience was that's when I went back to work with postpartum. And so for me, that was my entire maternity leave. And anyway, so it is, it's, it's a short time, but it's also a long time. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can we touch on COVID-19 a little bit? Yeah. Would you mind? So uh, there's been obviously so much evolution in, in, in the data and in what we've Mm -hmm. learned over the last year, um, both in terms of actually laboring, in the hospital during COVID, as well as protocols for postpartum and families that have not even met other new family members because you're just trying to be safe and you're just so unsure about how to navigate right. this, right? right? What have you seen from your experience and kind of what are you, how are you helping your patients? Because I'm sure they're coming in being like, is grandma allowed to hold the baby? Is, is a mask right. okay? The, should we wait for the vaccine? You know, and, and pregnant people in, in vaccination, things like that. Yeah, these are really good questions, right? This is such a huge topic. Mm-hmm. And let's just touch real quick on, you know, what I tell my patients specifically who are worried about, you know, exposure. Mm-hmm. And let's just assume at this point that most of the people, because not everyone is vaccinated yet. And so we're going to talk about it as if, hey, your family members really aren't vaccinated yet. They weren't eligible yet. They haven't gotten a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Not that it really changes much when they have been vaccinated. But um, so, you know, during pregnancy, a lot of my patients ask me, like, can I go on this trip? Can I do these things? And this is what I tell them is that even if you weren't pregnant, you really shouldn't be doing travel that isn't essential right now. Um And that's kind of regardless of your risk factors. Then let's throw in your pregnancy. And you're asking, right, if you can go on a trip. And you're an adult. You can do whatever you like. But but if you're going to ask me what I recommend based on the evidence I have is that 
pregnancy itself is a risk factor for having much more serious consequences of COVID-19. And um, if you're asking whether I'll kind of condone or okay your travel, you know, I really, I don't feel comfortable doing that. And I think that that's the CDC's recommendations. I think that's the recommendations from pretty much everyone is that if we don't need to travel for essential work, then we probably shouldn't travel, right? Um, and then if you do choose to do, for example, we're, we're, we're picking travel right now, but if you do choose to travel, please make sure you're doing it safely. Please make sure you're wearing your mask, your entire flight. Please make sure, you know, where you're traveling to, um, you are remaining pretty isolated from anyone else. Um, and then when I go over all that, most patients are like, well, I don't really feel like taking a trip, right? Right, <laughs> it doesn't seem worth it. Right, right. <laughs> you know, because uh, so, it's really hard to operate that way outside of your own home. Then with regards to, you know, visitors in your home, all of that stuff, it's the same thing. You should really be keeping to your current households um, in your own house with your own household members. You know, you don't need to be wearing a mask, but anytime you are in contact with someone who's not a part of your household, you really should be. You know, I am a high risk obstetrician. So, um, you know, it's also called maternal fetal medicine specialist or perinatologist. And so what I see is all the pregnant patients in the hospital who have COVID. Right. And there's a lot of them, and many of them are very ill. Many of them have had to be delivered prematurely. We've had some that have passed away. We've had um, a lot of different consequences of patients being infected. We try so hard during our pregnancy to be healthy. And this is, right now, this is one of those ways, right? Yeah. This is one of those ways, is to follow these guidelines. You pretty much need to follow the same guidelines when you're pregnant as when you're not pregnant. So it's pretty simple, you know, then the questions of, well, who do I let take care of my baby mm -hmm. and I need help and et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, my, my, um, kind of commentary on that is again, you have your personal choices. You're everyone's an adult and they can do what they like. However, you know, I give my own experience. My sister had a baby. I didn't get to be there. You know, the plan originally was whenever she has her baby, like, I'm going to be there. Are you kidding Absolutely. me? This is my job, right? How am I not going to be there for my sister when she has her baby? But I wasn't there. I was there on FaceTime. I didn't visit them, you know, and I didn't get to see her new baby. So I didn't get to do it. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that, that you know, what I do is the, the, the thing that everyone should do. But I follow the guidelines because I'm trying to keep my nephew safe. Yeah. And so the same thing with um, when you have your baby during covid uh, you probably should stick to your household, um, your household members only. And hopefully your household is mostly able to stay fairly isolated. Mm -hmm. um, and if you need that help, say you have a mother-in-law or a nanny or something, you have to make that work in a way that is the safest for you. Mm -hmm. But in terms of having, you know, a lot of people, visitors, the usual thing that we would do, like a rotating cast of characters coming through your house, right, for visiting your baby, I don't recommend that at all. Right. I don't recommend that at all. And it's sad and it, and it's hard, um, but you are just doing what you need to do to take care of your baby and keep your baby safe. All right, I need to jump in one last time to thank a final show sponsor, and that is Literati. Great children's books open up new worlds of discovery for our kids, and with Literati Kids, your child can explore uncharted places every month with spellbinding stories handpicked by experts, and it is the best try-before-you-buy subscription book club that I know of. 
Each month, your child receives a curated box of five vibrantly illustrated children's books bringing the magic of reading right to your home. They're age-based books, they're appropriate, they're high quality, and each book bundle is thoughtfully tailored by education experts. And it's a great way to try new books, it's a great way to try new authors, and they also come with personalized extras like stickers or surprises. Uh, one time my kids got an invisible pen, one time they got a little light up thing. They just love whatever's in the box. So give your kid the gift that keeps on giving by heading to literati.com slash emoms for 25% off your first two orders. Select your child's book club and start them on a literary journey like no other. That's literati.com slash emoms, and it's the only place to find 25% off your first two orders of this one-of-a-kind book subscription, the most joyful way to foster a lifelong love of learning. That's literati.com slash emoms. Enjoy and watch your kids light up with their love of reading. Now let's finish up with Dr. Kamyar. And in the long run... Yeah, you think like right now you're you're grieving that loss, right? Of that yeah. norm of that normalcy and that is 100% okay to be wish it were different. Yes. Um but long term, what are you doing to protect yourself and your family? And then yes. also keeping, you know, your specific circumstances in mind, what what can you do in order to, you know, have the support you need and right. everything like that, whether it's testing or and, and masks and sanitization and all mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and 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 and, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. I mean, we're all schools are starting to reopen. So yes. any of us who are pregnant and have children that are school age, you know, we're happy to send our kids back to school because there there are so many issues with our kids being home from school, right? Yes. Um, and so we're happy to send them back to school. But you're also probably a little nervous. Like, is my little one going to be a carrier? Bring in something. I right. have a newborn, all this stuff. You have to do what's right for you. I can't yeah. tell you exactly what to do. Yeah. Like no one, this is, there's no, there's no right prescription for this, right? Like yes. exactly the way you should follow the steps you should do. It's really hard. You have to do what's right for your family. Well, that should be your next book. Just like, tell me what to do. Tell and me then what that to do. <laughs> you know, this is a really great conversation, but unless you can like actually tell me what to do, I don't really know what, what you want yeah. me to do here. <laughs> Right. I always no, think I like the you. other book that the other book, the obstetricians should all get together and a book that's called that's normal in pregnancy. There you go. <laughs> you know, and it's like all these funny things like, right. I have this pain, but like I have this pain in my over here. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I have no, like, totally you know, normal. I, <laughs> all these little things that happen to you when you're pregnant and that could be different through each pregnancy, right? Your first one. So this one, so different the aches and pains you feel the discomfort you might feel whether you've had a c-section or a vaginal delivery those discomforts are different you know i pee when i sneeze is that normal that that can be normal you know yeah (laughs) unfortunately normal yes (laughs) totally so what okay tell me like your top two to three things that are like weird weird things you hear all the time like is this is this normal kind of thing (laughs) oh that's a good question okay a big one is like all of a sudden my vision not all of a sudden you know gradually pretty much over time but like my vision's like I never had a problem reading things but now I'm having some blurry vision well first of all obviously bring it up if it happened all of a sudden right with you know at the drop of a hat that might be a problem but if it's kind of a gradual thing during your pregnancy our eyes change during pregnancy right so sometimes you need to update your prescription for example or Maybe you never needed glasses, but now you had a baby and now you do. So that's one that I hear a lot. That's really, really common. Another one is um, about like the, 
this might be TMI, but about the level of constipation you might possibly sure. have when you're pregnant. Yeah. It's very serious. And that leading to hemorrhoids, which can also be very common in pregnancy, but someone who's never been pregnant often has never had a hemorrhoid before. Yeah. So I get a lot of well, I felt something down there and I wanted you to look at it to tell me if it's normal. And I'll look and it's usually a hemorrhoid. It's like, yeah, I know it feels very weird. And it feels different. It can be bothersome, but it's really normal. Yes. You know, yeah. um, nobody told me I was going to poop rocks after I had a baby the first time. I'm just like, what is even going on? It just felt like a miracle yeah. to even like have a bowel movement and then to have it be like rocks. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is like, not what good. Is this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some people, you know, have never experienced constipation. No. And so it's always been like, I go every morning. I'm like clockwork. And then now no more. that's not happening and thinking that it's a serious problem. I mean, obviously it's uncomfortable. It needs to be kind of taken yes. care of, but there's a a lot of things we can do for constipation, um, you know, including increasing your water intake and increasing your fiber intake and all of that stuff. Uh, so those are, you know, those are really common. And then the, the other thing that I see a lot of is, um, you know, you can get a kind of pregnancy related carpal tunnel like syndrome. So you get a lot of like numbness and tingling in your fingers. Of course, see, these are things that I'm so glad patients bring up to me because I, of course I want to know if you're having numbness and tingling in your fingers, but then I'll examine you, I'll evaluate you, I'll do some, you know, kind of exams neurologic exams and then I can usually tell you oh yeah this is okay yeah this is this is a carpal tunnel like syndrome based uh, you know that you're having because you're pregnant um and so that's another one that is a a little bit scary right Mm -hmm. because it's that numbness tingling you're not really sure what it is um but that can be really really common and normal in pregnancy so um and then the other one well this is a good one I think is like your hair will grow so well usually during pregnancy and patients are always surprised at like how well their hair and their nails are growing and they're so excited about it. But what's important to bring up, I think is the postpartum, the loss, the other, the, the postpartum loss, like people think something is seriously wrong because all of their hair is falling out postpartum and it is normal. It is normal. And then you will grow all the lovely baby hairs around the Mm -hmm. crown of your head. (laughs) And they just stick up. And yeah, yeah, I know. Just to give you that great, like, postpartum mom look, you know? It's like the, the halo. It's a halo effect. Like, you are so blessed to have just had your child. Here is this great look for you. Oh, exactly. what So, yeah, fun. I think those are the things that I, that I, that are really common. I mean, there's a, there's a lot, right? Yeah. There's a lot of other, other things, but, um, I hear those probably every day. Yeah, Questions absolutely. Probably every day. Yeah. I want to wrap up with one final personal question. So um, I have three boys. My boys were 8, 7, 8, 14, 9, 14. I gained between 30 and 40 pounds with all of them, but not in that order. Um, I'm five foot. Like I'm a small person. Okay. I said I wasn't going to have any more kids because like they keep getting bigger. And I'm like, I can't do that. And I had all vaginal and not significant tearing, but you know, nobody wants to push out a 10 pound baby necessarily. Well, the thing your 914 was your third one, not your first one. Oh, can you imagine? Yes. yes, that's true. That's true. And so I am, I think, rightfully very concerned that this pattern will continue. And okay, what's the biggest baby you've ever delivered vaginally? A, do you know? And B, mm-hmm. If the doctor, can the doctor kind of predict that, oh boy, like we're, we're getting big at, you know, 38, yeah. 39 weeks, what do you tell a poor mother like <laughs> me who's just like, oh. Well, so, you know, you know, when you go to your doctor, right, we do the measurements, right? We measure your belly yeah. and the fundal height. And so that's one way okay. that they can kind of 
estimate at least whether they think your baby's measuring really big. So say you're 36 weeks and they go to your fundal measurement and all of a sudden it's like 43, wait, 43, right? Oh, then okay. it's telling us that like, oh my gosh, is this baby really big? So then usually the, the next step is let's get an ultrasound and let's okay. see. Um, but sometimes that's not the case, right? That, mm-hmm. that measurement is always consistent. But a patient tells me, listen, I've had three babies. They've been subsequently, each one is subsequently larger. And this one feels so much bigger already than my last one, yeah. right? And then that might be an indication to me like, hey, maybe you do need to get an ultrasound mm. to, to see what's our estimated fetal weight. Now, sometimes we don't get a chance to do an ultrasound and we just kind of do it by, we have a, you know, palpation that we can do. That's much more it's not as, you know, it's not as accurate. Uh-huh. So ultrasound, honestly, in the third trimester isn't the most accurate. And then based on all of this combined, we can kind of tell a patient, hey, we think your baby weighs X. You know, the recommendations are go ahead and try for a vaginal delivery. So in a woman who doesn't have other risk factors for something called the shoulder dystocia, which uh-huh. you know, that's a whole other thing you can read sure. about it in the book. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, then it's usually that if we think your baby's going to weigh uh, more than 5,000 grams, so that's five kilograms, right? Which is somewhere around 11 pounds, if I'm doing the math correctly. That, that's too high a threshold. That's Dr. Yeah. Kinger. That's so too like, high a threshold. Like, I'm telling you. No. Like, because otherwise, you you know, and you specifically in your case, you know, you have a proven pelvis, right? You've done that's it. what they said. That's the words they use. They're like, well, you have a proven yeah. pelvis. And I'm like, I have nothing to your, prove to you. Your pelvis is proven to us. <laughs> no, I don't like that answer. You're going to need to stop saying that too. <laughs> we don't like that. <laughs> Isn't it nice that we all say the same thing? <laughs> it kind of is, though. That's reassuring. Just kidding. Right? It is. I think yeah. it is, right? Yeah, I do. Like, if you go to five different OBs and you say, and they all say the same thing, I mean, I think you're getting the right answer, I right? think so, too. Agreed. So, so, I mean, a big thing is, how do you feel? Like, do you feel like this baby's bigger or the same? What do you think? I mean, you're 36 weeks. What are you feeling now? Oh, enormous. Like, I feel like he's enormous. I feel like he's going to fall out at any moment. <laughs> But yeah, I've had, but I've gone to my due date every time or been induced like on my due date and yeah. like my last baby, like had the bends like in his eyes, like, cause there was just so much pressure. Like he, he had like red eyes, like a red rat, like a rat, rabid rabbit for like three weeks because it was like, bing, He's like, so oh, much pressure. Like what'd you do to me? Coming out here. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So no, I just, I mean, you know, yeah. you should really, you should expect to have a safe vaginal delivery. Okay. That is what okay. you should expect. Okay. You know, that yeah. is what you should expect. I mean, you've had that before. Right. You've had a proven pelvis, you know, all this. Now, mm-hmm. does that mean that we know that? No. If they right. ever, uh, you know, as you're getting closer to your due date, if your measurements are coming out and they're like, oh my gosh, this baby's looking really big. Well then, hey, maybe they'll get a scan and they'll see how much the baby weighs. And then if they're getting to a number that's close to 11 pounds, you know, you and your doctor will have a conversation about mm. what you think about that. Okay. Now, that being said, does that mean like that a baby that's more than 11 pounds can't come out vaginally? No, no, that's not what we're saying. We've all, almost all of us, probably delivered babies that are, you know, 12 pounds, no. 13 pounds. What oh, have yeah. you delivered? What have you, de- tell me. I've delivered a baby that's a little bit over 12 pounds. Vag- yeah. Vaginally? I mean, vaginally, absolutely. Well, and I've delivered much heavier, like, you know, right. the C-section, right? Oh! <gasps> Yeah. Much heavier. Wait, 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 wait. What's your, what's your, what's your C-section? I think that the heaviest I've had is a little bit over 13. Oh. I mean, it comes out, it looks like, you know, it's just a big baby. I mean, my grandfather, think about my grandfather, right? I mean, his, he was born in India and there was no, I mean, there was no epidural. Like there was no nothing. He was 13 and a half pounds and his poor mother had him vaginally. Can no. you imagine? No, I can't. Yeah, I know. But it happens. It's totally, I'm not saying it's not possible, 
But what we're saying is that there's a lot of risk associated yes. with that kind of a vaginal delivery. Yeah. You know, and so that's why we have those cutoffs. Right. It's, a, it's a safety cutoff, you know, and it's safety. People always think like for themselves only, but it's for, for mom and baby. Oh, you know? yeah. Absolutely. So it's a lot for mom and baby. But yeah, I mean. It's so crazy, right? When you think about the range of babies that I've delivered, yes. it's been less than a pound. Wow. To, you know, to like 13 and a half, right? Like, That's think about just that range. It's unbelievable. so crazy. I know. Women are amazing. Like our body, our, our bodies. And it's no wonder that you have such a deep passion and love of, of your field because, I mean, it just is so fascinating and there has been so much progression and yet also our body knows exactly how to grow a human like what i will say though in in the eight in the eighth edition of your pregnancy or childbirth you got to rethink the 11 pound cutoff like (laughs) (laughs) maybe yes come on maybe 10 and a half Let's get some data. We need some data before we make any well, changes. In I'll, I'll submit my next numbers to you and we'll just see where that fits, what chapter that fits in it. So we'll just, yeah, we'll just see. You've got to send me a message. You've got to send me a message and let oh me know. Oh my gosh. My friend yeah. just had a baby that was 11-3 and she had a C-section, um, a planned C-section and g- good thing, I would think. Yeah. That, but I guess you're telling me you can push that out. So who even knows? <laughs> I, Sometimes. You know, I've said people have. I don't know oh that everyone can, gosh. but people have. Not I, not I. Well, this is just so fascinating. And I'm so grateful for resources like your pregnancy and childbirth. And it really does go over everything from the actual, like getting pregnant and preparing. So Mm -hmm. this is a a book for somebody also in that preparation phase who wants these questions answered and things. And I mean, I just feel so lucky to get to to chat with you like this, um, in this stage of my pregnancy, but not everybody has a resource like that. But this book feels a little bit more like that than some of the other kind of sterile, um, very clinical answers that you might search for online or a a book you might pick up, things like that. Because it's, it's, it's unfamiliar and it's, weird. yeah, 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 I agree. And I think that, that this book does a good job, right? It gives yes. you a lot of the, um, medical information that you might be looking for, yeah. like specifics, right? Specifics, like what, you know, if you're getting a prenatal vitamin, like what percentage should be of each of these vitamins. Okay. Yeah. But then it also has some of those more, um, am I allowed to, like we talked about earlier, am I allowed to exercise? Like what kind of exercise should I do? You know, should I jump? um, Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Right. Or what's like breastfeeding all about, you know, and then there's some of that information in there and you can just pick and choose where you want to get information from in this book. I mean, there's just so, like you said, you know, before you get pregnant, during your pregnancy, after your pregnancy, I mean, it kind of touches bases. It touches base on all of those. Um, and I think that I really like it because it provides this huge depth of information that sometimes people will otherwise go to maybe not the most reliable, you know, Dr. Google, right? Mm -hmm. Not the most reliable sources. Uh, You can get a lot of reliable sources on off of Google, obviously, but you can't get all of them. And sometimes you're wondering, I've read this and I've read that. Like, how do I know what's true? Well, this book probably will answer that for you. You know, Um, it'll probably tell you, oh, you know, this is that. Um, and you can know that what you're reading in that book is, is based in fact, data, you know, evidence-based right. information that's put in there. And so you can feel really comfortable, I think, with the answer. 
I do too. Yeah, between this book and like you said, developing a team on your side that is trustworthy and, and mm-hmm. going that extra mile to, to really find a fit. Um, if, if that's, you know, part of something that you're able to do in your in your situation, I think that can go a long ways in, in getting your actual questions answered instead of stressing out unnecessarily or yeah, uh, relying on unreliable sources, I guess we should say. Right. But or even like yeah. being confused because a lot of what happens is like there's so much confusion because you mm-hmm. get so much conflicting in- information mm-hmm. and having a resource that you can go to and say, this is the information, you know, yeah. this is the information and then not feeling that confusion because confusion often le- leads itself to a feeling of overwhelm and then anxiety and, you know, it's, um, it's not comfortable to feel confused about a topic or unsure. Yeah. And if you had a resource you could go to, to just say, oh, okay, okay, that answered a question. Or maybe it answered a question, but now I'm able to talk to my obstetrician about this in a way that makes sense, you know, right. um, because it gave me kind of those words or those tools or some of that. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for contributing to this meaningful book. And I hope people will will check it out or give it as gifts, like you said, your pregnancy and childbirth. Dr. Kamyar, I always ask my guests one final question, and this time it's a personal one for you. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Oh, that's a good question. I think I would tell her um, that you should take your expectations and pretty much throw them out the window. (laughs) But in both, people think that that always means in a in a bad way, but I mean that in a good way, you know, your expectations of what it would be like to be a mother are nowhere near what it actually ends up being like. Um, the, it's so much more, it's so much more than anything you could have even thought of. And that's because you just aren't there yet. And, uh, and I mean that in a really great way, you know? Yeah. I love that so much. Thank you so much for being on the show today, for sharing your personal experience and expertise. And um, I wish you were there with me in a few weeks. That would be really nice. You can FaceTime me if you need me. Okay. Okay. That's the beauty of some of these changes. Everybody. It's been a good time. Everybody's invited. Come on in. I had my first um, baby at the University of Michigan hospital and Obviously, it's a teaching hospital. And I just remember at the last minute, there was a lot of um, residents and medical students coming in saying, oh, we're running this study. Do you want to be a part of this study? You know, we're just going to like stand back during your delivery and you just sign this and we'll pay you like 400 bucks or something. And I was signing my life away. Like I'm like literally in active labor and... I'm like a pretty like modest conservative type person. And at that moment I was just like, how many, a couple hundred dollars more. Okay. Come on in. I don't even know how many people were in that room. I don't even remember, but literally I got a check for like 800 bucks. Oh, it was so funny. And all I had to do was be there. It was so weird. It was so great though. Yeah. That's one of those expectations that I think, I mean, you know, that, you just have no idea how much, well, and this isn't true for everyone, but for me personally, you have no idea how little you will care about someone seeing your vagina after oh, you're yeah. done. Totally. I mean, because so many people, it's just, okay, yeah, in whatever. Out, in the next out. person check, it's fine. I don't right. care. It doesn't, 
Totally. It's so, yeah, it's so interesting how, yeah, you just, you just shift in that moment. You just like do what you got to do. You just do what you got to do. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And there you get a baby. That's so awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for taking the time this morning. I really appreciate it. Best of luck to you as you continue to navigate and help pregnant women through this really odd time the way they need a lot of reassurance and a lot of comfort but uh, I know that you're providing that for them and I just think that's wonderful thank you so much thank you and thanks for doing this podcast I think you know it's uh great for people to just hear about everyone's experiences and and hear from someone who's kind of in the thick of it so thank you for having me on thank you thank you I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I mean, obviously, it's very relevant to me given that now I'm 37 weeks pregnant. And actually, the day after I talked to Dr. Kamyar, I had a doctor's appointment. And I went in feeling much more confident to advocate for myself, to kind of explain you know, and really impress upon her my history of the duration of my labors, how I go into labor, how long it takes me to dilate, how big my kids end up being things like that. And my doctor was very compassionate and understanding and was a great listener in regards to these concerns that I have. And I feel like we're very much on the same page with the approach that we're comfortable taking given my history. And I just am so grateful to Dr. Kamiar for empowering me to speak up and you know, find a good balance of trusting my doctor and advocacy for myself. Obviously, we know our bodies very, very well. And this is a doctor that I trust that I feel like I can talk to. And so, you know, if she were to come back and say, nope, we're, you know, we're sticking to this this plan or this is why we're doing things a certain way, we have that that trust between us. And these conversations are so, so important. So don't be afraid to speak up to your doctor of any kind at any point, whether it's you think it's a small thing or a big thing. It all matters. And all these this information we can give our doctor help give them clues to help them to produce the best outcome possible for us. So I am so excited. Um, I'm getting close. I'm getting close, guys. And I'm getting nervous. Um but I think that's all normal, but mostly I'm excited. It's March, and I'm gonna have this baby in March. Hooray, this is so awesome. Can't wait to welcome baby boy. So I'll keep you all posted. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at jessicadalquist3. I'll post all the baby stuff over there. And if you wanna find out more information about Dr. Kamiar's book that she contributed to, and anything else we talked about today, you can go to extraordinarymomspodcast.com. Thanks so much for tuning into the show today, and we'll see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.